refuse all your love to share. When you're feeling so blue, don't know just what to do, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. When somebody has been so unkind to you, some words spoken that pierces you through and through, think how he was beguiled, sped upon and reviled, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in from the dawn of the morning to close of day, in example, in deeds, and in all you say, lay your gifts at his feet, ever strive to keep sweet, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in you. Six hundred forty three, six forty three. When upon life's pillows you are tempest tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. Are you ever burdened with the cloak of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? The blessings every doubt will fly, and you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. When you look at others with their land and gold, think that Christ has promised you his wealth untold. Count your money cannot buy your reward in heaven nor your hope on high count your blessings name them one by one count your blessings see what God hath done count your blessings name them one by one Count your many blessings, see what God has done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, 
Do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. That'll be the song after Josh's uh, devotional preaching tonight. 674. And once you have that, Mark, we're going to sing number 580 before, before the lesson this, this evening. Number 580. <clears throat> Good evening. The proper term for this is a sermonette. <laughs> That's what we're going to call it anyway. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 3. This is where we're going to be launching from. and I wasn't quite sure what to do. I, I didn't have enough time to put together a full-on uh, sermon. 
and some of you are thinking, praise God. But this is something that I actually almost began to uh, develop as a lesson a couple weeks ago as part of our reading. And so kind of a, a bit of point of our well Bible class this morning, we talked about if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And so if you're in the Word, you, you typically have something that you can talk about. Leviticus chapter 3 talks about the peace offering. There's a lot of offerings. And the peace offering is talked about in different places in Leviticus, not just chapter 3, but also in Deuteronomy as well. And I'll bring up a verse or two to talk about this. But I wanted to kind of explain a little bit of what we have read. I want to explain the process of the peace offering and then make a New Testament correlation with it. Because of all the offerings that, that we see, Jesus came and he fulfilled every one of them. He was all of these offerings, and he brought all of this to fruition. And so, yes, this does tie directly into Jesus in many ways, and I would argue that it's going to tie into John chapter 6. That's where we're going to look briefly here in a few seconds. But this is the last in a series of offerings. This is after the sin offering. This is after the trespass offering. After these are done, this is last because it's a celebratory aspect. It's a celebratory offering that takes place. There is this festival banquet of sorts when fellowship between man and God is restored and they're celebrating their good relationship. Why? Because sin separates us from God. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 tells us that your sins have hidden his face from you. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. What's one of the problems with sin? That's one. It removes us from God. You think about in the garden. When God created Adam and Eve, that's the perfect ideal relationship. That was the goal for each and every one of us. But when you and I chose to sin, we were separated. There was sin separating us from God. But Jesus, of course, has come and removed that. But here in the Old Testament, obviously Jesus not coming. We are foreshadowing him coming and we're seeing that it's necessary for relationship with God to be restored. Think about peace in this way. The opposite of peace in this way is chaos. Think of a raging storm, the crashing waves, that's chaos. It's detrimental, it's scary, it's awful, I mean, it causes a lot of problems, that's chaos. Whenever we are separate from God, we are hostile to God. We are away from God, we are enemies of God, that's what Colossians tells us. And there's that picture of chaos, but along with the peace offering, and when Jesus being our perfect peace offering, he restores a peaceful, harmony relationship with him that's the goal and so this is after the sin offering this is after the trespass offering when everything that's left to do the only thing that's left to do is celebrate that we are back in fellowship with God and back in fellowship with all of God's people does this sound anything like the new testament at all boy it preaches doesn't it but the worshiper, this is what happens. The worshiper is going to come and he's going to kill his own sacrifice. This happens each time with all the sacrifices as far as I'm aware. Because why? Well, it's because of your sin that this animal has to die. And so the worshiper comes and he brings his lamb or his goat, whatever the offering calls for. He puts his hand on the sacrifice and he slays it himself. Because the sin, it's as if showing the sin is going away from me and into this. And we think about Jesus on the cross. What did we do? We put him there. We hung them there. We're the ones that our sin was being transferred into him. He was sinless. He was perfect. The animals here did nothing wrong, but we're the ones that need the atonement. And so the blood then after that is sprinkled on the side of the altar. 
separating it from the sin offering. Sin offering is on the altar, on the fire, but this is on the side. And he takes out, if you look in chapter 3 there, Leviticus, chapter 3, verse 3. And from the sacrifice of the peace offering, as a food offering to the Lord, he shall offer the fat covering the entrails and the fat that is on the entrails. This, this is going to get descriptive. Sorry if you've got a weak stomach. And the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. God gets the fat. Why? Because the fat's the best part. <laughs> That's why we like that, that better ribeye cut of steak. Well, I do anyway. And then Aaron's son shall burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering. So after the animal is slayed, the priests take it and prepare the offering, remove certain parts, and fulfill the rest of this. Burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering, which is on the wood, on the fire. It is a food offering, and watch this, I underline this part, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It's pleasing to God. It's what God wants. Peace has a huge significance. It is the peace that you and I have as we sit down and eat with each other and eat with God because that's what's going to happen after this. The part for God is burned, but then inside the tabernacle and the temple area, you and your family and all the Levites that are there come and have a feast on the rest of it. Because the idea, and this may not be a sermonette, that's all right. The idea is that peace and relationship is restored with you. We're having this celebration, but also it's happening at the temple because God is the host. You're not the host. It's not happening out there. But God has provided all the necessary sacrifices. God has provided the way for peace. God is the one hosting you at the table. That's the idea with what is taking place here. And it's the most joyous of all the sacrifices. It's a fragrant aroma that takes place there at the house of God. And Deuteronomy 12, verse 17 through 18, pulls in the fact that it's the family that joins you as well, your whole family. And also those that are the Levites within uh, the area of the tabernacle in the immediate area. Because not only are you back in fellowship and peace with God, but now you're back in a peaceful, restored relationship with your fellow man. Think about it this way. Those who are not Christians, whenever they become Christians, they are forgiven by God. Shouldn't they also be forgiven by us? And shouldn't we welcome into the family as we're supposed to? Yes. And all of this is being foreshadowed back here in the Old Testament as well. Peace with God, peace with family, and peace with community. A peaceful understanding that you yourself are in relationship with God. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to be done except to celebrate and enjoy. That's the purpose of the peace offering. God's providing the meal. I'm sitting with God. I'm eating with Him. Everything I own and everything I am belongs to Him. And life is as good as it's ever going to be. And that's the picture. And so look with me in John chapter 6. I think that there are some parallels with this, but there are some stronger parallels in a few other spots that we'll look at. John chapter 6. This is a pretty famous story. Jesus feeding the 5,000 with a few fish and a few bread. Ring a bell? So, here in this section, there's a parallel between Moses and the Israelites in the desert 
And Jesus and these followers and these people in also a spiritual desert of sorts. This is more than just a surface level miracle. There are parallels. Think about these parallels. There is a large group of people out in the wilderness. There's a large crowd or an army if you're talking about those in Numbers and Leviticus. They're looking for the Messiah. They're ready to go and conquer their enemies like the kings or the leaders in the Old Testament. That's why they want to make Jesus king here in just a few minutes because... They think that he's going to be this physical king and set up this physical kingdom. But that's not the case. But they're looking for a prophet like Moses as well as what Deuteronomy 18.18 talks about. And there is provision for them in the wilderness. This bread from heaven, the manna that fell from the heaven that God provided. And here, Jesus will talk about bread from heaven as well. Look in verse 4. Now the Passover... The feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? I think this is kind of a bit of a test for Philip. Let's see really what Philip is going to say. And Philip kind of says what you and I would say. that This is an impossible situation, verse 6. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. There's no way we can feed these guys. It's impossible. And that's what he wanted them to see. He wanted them to see that it's impossible with man, but all things are possible with God, right? So, verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. I like that. As much as anyone wanted, they got. And that was also the idea with the peace offering as well. There is a lot to eat of the sacrifice. And there wasn't supposed to be leftovers. Leftovers were supposed to be taken away outside the camp and done away with. Uh, maybe perhaps why they gather up all the leftovers over here. Verse 12, when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. He gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. That's quite a bit, huh? Quite a bit for 5,000. We started with, with just a few and look at this. We've got an abundance. What is Jesus showing us here? That he can give all of what we need in abundance. He's using this physical meal to bring out a spiritual truth. Remember the peace offering? God is providing the meal. Who's providing the meal here? God, Jesus. He is providing the meal. Do they know they're sitting and eating with God? Do they know that they're getting to experience this? They should. That's the point of it, but they'd miss it. Of course, they, they miss it a little bit and they'll have to come back to it. But look in verse 25 through 29. He says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, this is a sermon, this isn't a sermonette. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill with loaves. You're looking for the physical. You're you're not looking for the spiritual as you should. Do not work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And then verse 28, they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? They, they want a checklist. Anybody here ever thought, you know, I need a checklist? We can kind of slip into that as well. I, I need a checklist to just check off the boxes, make sure I'm doing everything. But Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. 
What is it that we, what's our checklist? The whole checklist is to believe in him. Now, we're not saying to believe, yeah, I believe Jesus did that. Yeah, I believe he really did that. But to believe is the same as having faith. To believe means that you're going to trust in what he says and you're going to obey in what he says. In fact, in John chapter 20, he'll talk about how Jesus did so many other things. He did many other miracles. Let's go over there. I don't want to mess that up. John chapter 20. Hold your spot there, though. John 20, verse 30. He said, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. That's pretty cool to think about. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. What was the point of Jesus providing this meal here? To believe that he was the one sent, to believe that he was the one that they're supposed to be looking for and coming for in order to give them everything that they need, every sacrifice, every spiritual need to restore relationship with God and then to be celebrated that they are back in relationship with God. But you look at verse 31, 30, sorry, of chapter 6. He says, so they said to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? What do you mean? (laughs) Did you not just see what happened a minute ago? Verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. (laughs) He's recalling back to to what we're reading in, in Leviticus and Numbers. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread. Oh, they're looking at the man still. They're not looking for God as they should be. They're looking for for somebody that's a stand-in. They're not looking for him as they should. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. (laughs) That seems to be what they said, just uh, very similar to what the woman at the well said. Give me this water as well, right? But Jesus is saying here, or showing us, that they want a sign like Moses, but Jesus lets them know it didn't come from Moses, it came from God back then, just as this one came from God now, but they still don't get it. So he tells them, I am the bread, verse 35. He said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And we're not talking about physical needs here. Jesus is using this to show a spiritual truth. They are in a spiritual wilderness. They are depleted spiritually. They need Him. We need Him. And if we don't go to Him for the nourishment, our spirituality is going to starve right out of us. If we don't go to the Word for it and hear Him talk and see what He wants us to do, it's going to starve right out of us. He's saying, I am what you need in every aspect to be saved and to continue to be saved and to have real joy and peace. I am the bread. I am the fellowship. I am the peace offering. Believe in what God says and trust that He delivers on the promises that you have already heard about. That's the other thing that's hard. For us to think about sometimes. When you and I become Christians, we don't always feel saved, perhaps, sometimes. And sometimes the reality that God has made us holy, that God has saved us from any and every sin that we have committed and am committing and will commit so long as we're faithful, that can be a hard reality for us to grasp onto. And I may not feel saved at times, but I need to trust in what He said. I need to trust in the fact that he has made me clean and he is keeping me clean if I am faithful. But look at verse 41. I find this humorous in some ways. 
So the Jews grumbled about him. <laughs> Did the Jews in the wilderness grumble ever? I, I don't know. Have y'all read that before or talked about it? Yeah, I think so. If not, you'll read it in your readings. They've already grumbled in Exodus. They're going to grumble in Numbers as well. The Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They knew what this meant. They, they're say, they understand that he is saying that I have been sent from heaven, that I am God, that I am the one you're supposed to be looking for. And so just like their forefathers, they missed the point that the miracle is from God, not someone or something else. They even grumbled in the wilderness against the manna that God gave them. And in both cases, they're dissatisfied with the bread of God. I think the parallels there are just interesting to me. And it came to mind as we were reading through this. And so he's showing us that I am what you need for spiritual growth. But when it relates to the peace offering, there's a couple of New Testament things, additional ones that I think of. First is Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1. We're almost done. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And more literally translated, it is peace we are having with God. Peace we are experiencing with God when we are in Him. That's what He is saying, what He is meaning. And so we enjoy it, or we should. And we should try to bring others into that with us as well. Then, of course, my mind goes to communion as well, which we will partake here in just a second, probably. Communion being this part, there's a lot of New Testament and, and Old Testament overlap in many different ways. And a lot of themes from a couple different offerings and a couple different festivals come into play at different times. And one of those times is the peace offering with communion. Why? Because God, Jesus, had done everything that's needed to be done for you and I to be saved, right? He paved the way. He paid the price. Now we just need to accept the gift that he offers. We know that we're saved. And what do we do every Sunday? Why do we do communion? Someone tell me. To remember, right? But also, remember this, guys. It's not a funeral. <laughs> he rose. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. And we treat it like a funeral sometimes, but we should treat it like what it is, a celebration. Now, I'm not saying we get all you know, happy and jumping around or anything like that. But in our mindset, this is a joyous thing because of what God has provided through Jesus, what Jesus himself went through uh, for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if we had time, we'd go there, but we don't. But I'll tell you this from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, he says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation, meaning communion, in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Who are we partaking with? We're partaking in twofold fellowship, one with each other, but also with God. Because in Matthew chapter uh, 26, verse 29, whenever he's talking about the, 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 Passover, or the, the Lord's Supper, he said that I will drink it new with you in my kingdom. And when did the kingdom get established? Church. With the church, but a little bit before that too. Whenever Jesus was raised from the grave, then he says in Matthew at the very end, all authority has been given to me. The kingdom is the rule and the reign of Christ. So yes, you're right in saying that. But we know at that point the kingdom has come. He's ushered it in. Acts chapter 2 with the church, he ushered in the laws of the kingdom. And part of that being communion, where we have twofold fellowship, we are at peace with Christ, and those of us who are in Christ, we're at peace 
with one another. And so we celebrate. And at that time, we are to remember and understand, I have arrived. This is as good as it gets, just like with the peace offering. This is the fellowship. This is the celebration. So that came from the reading, (laughs) in case we missed it in Leviticus 3 and a couple other places. But you'll see it again in Deuteronomy. Um, In terms of invitation, perhaps you've been moved in some way by this sermonette. I don't know. But honestly and truly, if you feel that you have not been at peace with God, you feel that you've been on a different path and at odds with God, God calls you back into relationship with him. And so do we. That's the other thing. We don't want you to stay away from God. We want you to be in God so that you can also be with us as we are in God and experience the same fellowship together. If you have a need of any kind, let us know as we stand together and sing.
See those hands again? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you've given us to come together and learn another portion of your word. Be with those that partake of this bread that represents this body that was shed on Calvary's cross. Be with them they will take it in a manner pleasing to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this time that we can gather around this table and remember the death and burial resurrection of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, this, blood, this fruit of vine represents that blood that was shed on that cruel cross for mankind's sin. We examine ourselves and take it in a manner well-pleasing in thy sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Includes the Lord's Supper, separate and apart, we're commanded to give as we're prospered. Pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We'll be with, uh, we, we thank you for everything you've given us and everything you've done for us, and everything you've blessed us with. And be with those that we give back to you, uh, matter it, uh, that we've been blessed with. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Plate will be in the foyer. Better late than never. <clears throat> I had a plethora of announcements this morning. I think um, uh, we all remember them, so I will <clears throat> just simply um, go over a couple of things that uh, we need to know upcoming. <clears throat> uh, this Wednesday, uh, this upcoming Wednesday night, the 23rd, we'll have a singing night with the Ice Cream Fellowship afterwards. Uh, Come ready to sing, uh, bring your favorite ice cream uh, to share. And I am just a, a tad disappointed. I stood out there in the foyer for at least 15 minutes after service and not one of you asked me what my favorite ice cream is, but that's okay. Um, on that note, I think um, Jimmy said you we were gonna have a meeting up front for those who were singing Wednesday night. So if you are uh, one of the singers Wednesday night, Let's uh, come up here and sit in this front uh, pew up here, and I think uh, uh, there's going to be a little bit of organization and planning going on. <clears throat> also, uh, this Saturday is the men's breakfast, and um, for uh, some of the things that were read this morning, uh, they are on the bulletin board uh, out, in the, out in the hallway out there along with the, 
a bunch of other uh, information that uh, uh, is there for all of us. And uh, this, uh, this, just, this was just really great news this morning, so I'm going to read it again. Uh, one of the female inmates at the Arkansas County Jail, where we supply bi Bibles, was baptized Friday. And that, uh, uh, that kept ringing in my mind when I left here today and I went home and I'm thinking, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's one soul saved, but, uh, and it's through the work of, of many. So we have a lot to be uh, grateful for, uh, a lot to be happy about. Um, are there any other announcements? Um, yes.